So I just wanted to get back Thursday night football on the sideline, special teams assistant coordinator, and you. we all saw it. It was like the highlight, Lou. You have no idea how excited we were to see you. three TV moments of my life because it was so unexpected. Easily. I'm like, I was just in a film room with that guy two years ago, and now a special teams linebacker is blowing Louie up on the sideline. So I'm sorry. Take us through that. I feel- Bless you. Good start. That's a great start. I love when people. What happened was, what happened was, was, was Thursday night. We had a, we had a good return on. We returned a, uh, we returned a, uh, uh, we returned a punt. And Matt Bosher, their punter, he was a, he was a good sized guy, good sized kid. I worked with him in high school down in Florida. Um, He comes over and makes a tackle. And he went, and when he went down, he went down to make the tackle. And he came up, he hit the first thing that he saw. He hit me. I went flying and I rolled, I tumbled, I get back up and I hung on and I never dropped my, I never dropped my binder. I took him. And that's one thing they showed in meetings. Rex Ryan goes, Hey guys, you got to check this shit out. Watch Aguirre get hit. He rolls and he gets up and he doesn't drop his playbook. Now that's a fucking player, man. So Rex is going off on the meeting afterwards. But yeah, in the meeting on uh, on on a couple of days later after the game. But yeah, when I got hit, I was just like, you know, I'm trying to, you know, tell our return. Great job, you know. Next thing you know, I'm getting hit loud by Matt Bosher. And I go tumbling and yeah, it was just, yeah. I that was full circle. Punter hitting yep. former punter. That's great. Yep. That is great. Oh, we, we reround that a hundred times. He, he dude, Louie, I can't tell you how often like for for 45 minutes, me, Ty, Alex, and Jimmy were just like, This is Lou. This is Lou. Watch this, please. Like, and we were worried for you slightly, and then also very just <laughs> laughing. And, and we're like, oh my God, we know a guy on TV. Look at him. He's the Jets special teams fucking assistant coordinator. This is amazing. <laughs> and then I talked to Bosch after the game. I go, "Hey, you knocked my ass over." He goes, "I knocked." He goes, "I know I knocked somebody over." <laughs> I'm like, "It was me." <laughs> he goes, "Hey, I'm sorry." <laughs> I remember him having some pumped up guns. He wasn't a small yeah. punter. No, he was. He was a big dude, Matt Bosher. He was. He was a pretty good sized dude. He was probably about two twenty five. Uh, you know, six three, two twenty five. I think. But that's what I played at. And yeah, he was pretty good size. Actually, you played at 6'2", 215, according to football <laughs> reference. Well, that was my rookie year. <laughs> I'm just fucking yeah. They're going to have to call them up and, and at, have them fix the, that. And, and when I got to the Jet, when I, I played at 215 with the Jets, when I got to Kansas City, I was at 220. Two, I played between 220 and 225 with the Chiefs. From there on out, from 94 to 2000, I was always somewhere between 220 and 225 when I played. 10% body fat. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, hey, this picture in the New York Jets article, you're looking pretty lean, my friend. You're looking pretty lean. Pretty lean. Um, yeah, I got to check that out. Yeah, I will I will absolutely do that before we, uh, we, we're done here. I do want to, after that, and I appreciate so much you answering our questions eloquently because you're the man, dude. And I can't wait. I back when you guys were 18 years old and. You know, in high school. Exactly, man. High school works. And, you know, IT. Not to harp on that because I'm sure everybody's excited. Um, I, I, I just, I read this quote. I read this quote. 
and it was from you, from this article, okay? And it was, when asked, after a game, your first game, and somebody said, how was it? And you said, I finally made it to the NFL. And you said, I remember Pat Leahy, who you explained to us earlier already, came up to you and congratulated you and said, don't worry, it's just another game. And you said, having him there helped me out tremendously in my mindset. So how big of a way did that impact the games moving forward? Because clearly you were a 10-year punter in the NFL. That's a big fucking deal. So clearly something was working for you. It was. You know, when Pat said that to me, I didn't realize it's just another game. You know, and that's where I try to explain when I've coached high school football, when I when I was coaching with the Jets, and now I'm back coaching high school football again, um, that we practice so much, just like golfers, you know, punters and kickers, we're like golfers. We practice so much that when we get out there on that first tee, you know, they hit their ball right down the middle of the fairway. How many guys have you seen that are, you know, amateurs, they get them on that first tee box and they got to force them to send their watch they start shaking and you hit that ball, boom, and you slice it to the right or you slice it to the left. I mean, it was having Pat there as an 18-year vet helped me out tremendously. He gave me so many um, positive reinforcement, positive reinforcement after every game. Even if I had a bad game, he goes, hey, he goes, you know, like there's only 28 guys, you know. It was windy out there. You couldn't do what you want to do. He goes, look at the stats. Your numbers next to the punter you won against today, your numbers are better because, you know, your gross is better, your net's better. He goes, but to you, that's not a very good game because you average your X, Y, Z. And I'm all, no, I want to do better. He goes, that's why you're going to be here so long because you, you want to do the best you can. He goes, there's some guys you have a bad day. Oh, that's just another, just another day. But I learn, want to learn from it and get better and having Pat there, if it wasn't for Pat, I don't think I would have. The knowledge he gave me, I don't think I would have played 10 years. He helped me out tremendously. That's with incredible. The, with the mindset of it. Alex. Uh, helped me out with the, the technique part, part of it. Sure, sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. Alex, uh, go ahead and get in here. I was just going to say, like, uh, we know firsthand what it's like to have a really good punter, and then we lose him for a couple weeks, and we're picking scrubs up off of, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah, Lou, as a Titans fan, Brett Kern has had some injuries, and the, we had Trevor Daniels briefly, and then Townsend kicked a couple. And that was immediately delivering. when they came in, immediately yeah. when they came in, Lou, their first punt, even though they were good punters that could prove themselves a practice, shanked 25-yard punt out of his own end zone, changed the whole football game. And you yeah, it, that's how quick it happens. <laughs> it's a yeah, big it difference. Because when I got cut from Kansas City, they went through eight punters in seven years until they drafted Dustin Colquitt. They couldn't find a punter to replace me. You know, I'm not trying to say, oh, I'm better than those guys out there, but here, guy, here's the front office. This is their job to find a punter. My first year with the Jets, I already knew. I saw Ryan Quigley and the whole front office, everybody's all, no, 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 we can't have them all. That's the guy I want. He ended up doing great. I wrote up a report on this one kid. Uh, he came out of Tulane, and I said, you know, this is going to be – this is the top kicker this year in all the front offers. Nope, nope, nope. Cairo Santos is still playing. Eight years later. 
and the guys that they picked didn't never even make got a sniff of playing in the games because they don't know what they're looking for. A lot of front office people don't know what they're looking for for punters and kickers. You know, when I got brought into the New York before I got uh, in 12, before I started coaching in 13 with them, and they go, and they go, why do you think there's such big turnover in kicking? I, and I, I, you know, I had the whole front office in there. And I said, because you guys always tell them, if you can't get the job done, we'll fire you and find, find somebody else. And you guys roll through kickers and punters. You don't ever give them time. You don't work with them. And I said, you know, you have a coach for Montana. You had a coach – Quarterback coach for Brett Favre, Dan Marino. I can go on and on and on. They don't have kick coaches. Well, and that's I why said, we got to get you back, baby. We got to get you back. We do. Baltimore. <laughs> I get you to Nashville. With uh, Randy Brown. He started his kicking camps in 92, and I helped him get started. Uh, my coach, Al Roberts, goes, we're going to Philly this weekend. And uh, <clears throat> I know this uh, kicking coach, and he goes, I want you to help. Help him out. I'm okay. So I did. You know, and he had his own camps there in the Philadelphia area. He got to know John Harbaugh. Harbaugh brought him in to coach, uh, be the king coach there in Philly. Harbaugh goes to be the head coach in Baltimore. And he takes him with him. And they've always had solid kickers. So, so there's they need this. They really do. Sure. And that's a perfect segue into the next question I was going to ask you, which is, I know that, you know, the public doesn't know this, but you sent me some photos of hanging out with Primetime and Dion, and you went down, and can you just describe that experience? Because they clearly, you know, they they wanted you to be a part of the camp to some extent. I don't know if you were there for a specific camp that only lasted a week, or if you were there for a practice before a game. Can you walk us through that? Because right now, I, he's super hot, and obviously he has his own YouTube thing going, and he's doing a great thing. And, I, you know, even Jimmy's dad, Kirby, said, man, if I could have my son coach, because Owen is a pretty good football player, Jimmy's oldest brother, and he's like, man, if I could have my son coached by somebody, I would totally want it to be Dion. Like, he seemed so enthusiastic and, and excited about this. So I just wanted to know what your experience was like going down there, and then if you want to follow it up with any, you know, funny stories or anything about Dion that you wanted to share. Well, uh, Coach Prime has a lot of knowledge as a Defensive back, kickoff, a kickoff return specialist, a punt return specialist. I mean, he was the best of the best. No, they didn't go to his side, you know, and he he's done it at the top level from high school to college to the pros at the top level. When he came back, he retired. He came back and he wore the number 37 in Baltimore. And a lot of people don't know this. They go, why, why is he wearing 37? He's always number 21. He was always 21. Well, he, he goes, well, I want the he goes, I want the receivers to know that I'm 37 years old and I'm still kicking your ass. <laughs> That's why amazing he when he came back out of retirement. Because he could still run a four-two. I mean, he was you know, he's something else. You know, and when he brought me down there, uh Dennis Thurman, who's the defense coordinator with uh, Jackson State, was our defense coordinator when I was in New York Jets. So that's how I got to go down there because they want they wanted someone to come work with their punters and kickers. So they flew me down there. I'm on workers' comp right now, so you know 
I volunteered to go down and, you know, I said, I don't think, you know, they're, they paid for the flight. Um, but I didn't get paid while I was down there because I'm helping a friend out. I'm helping out Dennis Thurman. I'm helping out prime time. Um, I'm ho- helping out Jeff Weeks who coaches down there. Uh, their special teams coordinator uh, came in as I was uh, already done playing. Uh, you know, so I, I'm helping out friends just to, you know, help out their team, you know, and they got a solid team They're They've lost one game. And, uh, I went down there, they brought me down for a week to work with their guys. I'm all sure, you know, any way I can help out. Um, and I would love to get back into doing something like that full time because I enjoy it. And the kids did really well for the first couple of weeks. And then they, you know, they went back down a little bit. Now they look like they're coming back up because I, you know, calling them. I uh, look at their stuff on huddle and I, and I talked to Trevor Riley, who is their, uh, he's their grad, grad assistant, the GA. And he's, he does outside linebackers and does, and then he also helps out with uh, special, special teams. <coughs> so I keep in contact with him, let him know what I see. And I, you know, I give him a report, then he talks to those guys. And so when I get done here, I'm going to, look at their stuff and write a little report and send them back down to Trevor. Cause Trevor, we drafted when I was with the New York jets in, uh, uh, 14, he was a rookie in uh, 14. I was going to say, I knew that name sounded familiar. I was going to ask you if he was, uh, was an NFL punter. Yep. Uh, and, uh, he was, uh, Trevor Riley played outside linebacker and he, he played at university of Utah. So in state, in state buddies there, you guys are, um, yeah. Are you guys, were you guys like, because uh, I don't know, and so forgive my ignorance here, but uh, was Utah State like big rivals with uh, the University of Utah, or is that not a thing? No, it's a right. We're big, it's a big rival. We're not a big rival with BYU because when I was there, they always, they're always thumping us. BYU, you know, we're the stepbrothers, stepbrothers there. Um, back when, when I was there, you know, us, U, University of Utah, I mean, we'd always went head to head, but then they got, and then they, you know, Fossil was there. Then a few years later, quite, quite a few, uh, but you know, a few, quite a few years later, then they got uh, uh, Urban Meyer, and he took him to another level. Right, Alex you know, Smith. And you mean they ended up, and they ended up taking off and going, going from the uh, Mountain Mountain West Conference to the Pac-12, where Utah State is still in the Mountain West Conference. Right. I did not know that Jimmy made a good point there about Urban Meyer, you know, going, ending up going to Ohio State. And obviously Alex Smith was drafted number one overall. I didn't realize that Jim Fossil was there before. That sounds like Utah is kind of like a jumping off spot for coaches. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Utah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you, uh, when I was in college, um, trying to think of the coach at uh, BYU, he was there for like 30 something years. They had coach there. Um, when I was at Utah State, our quarterback coach, offense coordinator, Brian Billick, was he went, you know, he and everybody. You played under Billick? You played under Billick at Utah State? Yeah, he was, he was Brian Billick was our uh, quarterback coach, special teams coordinator. Uh, not special teams coordinator. He was our quarterback coach, offensive coordinator. That's amazing. He was, he was, yeah, he was there. Um, and so, yeah, then he went to the Vikings, and that's it. Then he ended up going to uh, Baltimore. Lou, isn't that amazing, though, that you just said that and just full circle? Not that it matters, but 
just from me stating that, guess what the Super Bowl was in 2000? The Ravens coached by Brian Billick versus the yeah. Giants coached by Jim Fossil. That's pretty amazing. Pretty yeah, amazing. Coach from, you know, coaching the state of Utah. You know, and I know Fossil's uh, son, uh, who coaches, he's the special teams coordinator down with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, and we call they call him Bones. He's like 6'5", 190 pounds. He loves doing triathlons. And he's just known as Bones. Everybody calls him Bones because he's just always tall and skinny. You're talking about the guy on Hard Knocks, right? Like the one that we see. Yeah, yeah that, Bones. Yeah, he's a. He looks like is it Jim Hazlitt's brother? I don't know. He looks just like him. I feel like yeah, I don't. Not Jim Hazlitt's brother. That's that's he uh, looks like him. Son. That's Fossil's son. Oh, that's Fossil's son. Okay, I'm sorry, yeah. I missed that. My bad. My bad. Went yeah, over my head. Fossil. Okay, that's, well, oh, yes, yeah, Fossil. You know, coach with uh, the Rams for a long time, right? And now he's with Dallas. Yep, that's awesome, man. Because I remember seeing him. All the time because we, Alex and I alone went to probably six Rams games on their yep. demise, and you know we I always saw him, and then I saw him on Hard Knocks, and I didn't connect the dots. So I right. thought that he was Jim Fossil. Actually, clearly, I thought he was Jim Hazlitt's sons or something. So <laughs> close enough. Yeah, but, yeah. He does kind. Of, he looks. He looks a lot like Hazlitt because they're both tall and skinny. <laughs> yeah, 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 and white. Um, that's the yeah. main thing. <laughs> No, I uh, I couldn't be happier that you've come here with us, and we have 20 minutes, so I just wanted to have a little fun for, you know, leave it open for anything that Alex and Jimmy may have in their back pockets, because obviously I do a lot of talking around here, but uh, just wanted to ask one last question before I leave it open and just tell me whether it's the salsa uh, related to Derek Thomas and, you know, rest in peace, you know, I, obviously he was a huge huge impact to the NFL, but I just wanted to know if there's any story you wanted to share that you could without getting in yourself into any trouble, like something you remember that stood out about being an well, NFL player. Well, you're taught, you're, you know, you sit there talking, you've you talked, you've talked about the salsa a couple of times. Um, 1994, <laughs> uh, I'm playing it. We're, you know, I'm playing with, I'm playing for the chiefs. Montana's our quarterback. And my mom went every time she'd come out, she'd always bring me, you know, the big mason jars that you know full of salsa. And so one day, you know, just out of the blue, I, I said, I, I told my wife at the time, my first ex-wife. I've already, I'm on my second now. I'm over for two. <laughs> now I'm just have to get late. Um. So now I, I just bring you know, I, I, I told my ex-wife, uh, Krista. And I said, hey, I'm just going to bring some salsa in. I, I go, do we have chips? I go, can you give me some chips when you go to the store today so I can take it in tomorrow? She said, okay, yeah, sure. And so I, you know, I get a big old bowl and put all, all the salsa in there. And guys are eating, man, this stuff's hot. I'm all, no, it's not. It's good. Montana comes in and takes a couple bites. He goes, who made this? I'm all, my mom did. My mom, my mom did, uh, Joe. Goes, can I get a ball of this? I'm all. Let me ask. My mom's coming in this weekend. Let me call her and ask her. This, you know, well, you know, before a cell phone. So I had to, you know, wait, you know, I had to use use the credit card, you know, on the phone in the locker room. They, you know, they didn't pay for our phone calls. So <laughs> in order to make long distance, oh, you gotta wow. use the credit card and put your credit card number in to make a long distance phone call. Cause you know, I'm not gonna, you know, in college I'd call my parents collect, 
But now that I'm playing, I'm making money. I'm, you know, I'll get the credit card and call them and, hey, mom. <laughs> and so I go, hey, mom. I go, there's a, one of my teammates wants to get some of your salsa. And uh, I go, can you make some salsa? And she goes, well, who's it for? I goes, our quarterback, Joe Montana. And she goes, Joe Montana, well, yeah, mom. Because we grew up watching, you grew up watching him play in San Francisco. I said, I know, mom. I go, but he asked for your salsa. And she goes, I'll bring it only if I can give it to him in person. I go, okay. So I'm like, I'm, I go back to that show and I'm thinking, okay, he's going to say no. He goes, yeah, sure, not a problem. He goes, right after practice on Saturday, I'll come up and stay for like, you know, 10, 15 minutes, talk to your parents. I'm all, okay. So I called my mom back, you know, had the rotary dials, you know. <laughs> then I talked to my mom and I said, yeah, he said, yeah, not a problem. He goes, okay. So my mom brings two big mason jars full of salsa. So my mom and dad are with um, uh, a friends of theirs from back home that came out to the game. I'm trying to think of the name. Um, I can picture their face, but I can try to think of their name. Um, Dramalis, Danny Dramalis' parents. And Danny Dramalis, I'm originally, Danny went to my brother's went to high school with my brother Steve. So the Dramalis' and my parents were sitting in, a, in, the, in this room that I put them in after we had practice. And, uh, you know, they're just sitting there. My mom has her salsa, didn't say anything. And so I keep going upstairs. I said, hey, they're almost done with meetings. And so I go downstairs. I come on up. And I bring Joe in. And Mrs. Dr- uh, Mrs. Dramalis goes, her fingers pointing. She's shaking. She goes, here's Joe Montana. And I am. Nice to meet you. My name is Joe Montana. We watched you play out in San Francisco. And uh, so, and then, and so they talked and I answered, I introduced uh, Joe to my parents and to uh, uh, Jim and Marie Dramalis and they take pit, then they end up taking pictures with them. And, you know, Joe's holding it, holding the salsa with my mom handing it to him. My dad's taking pictures and all this stuff. And so, yeah, that was, that was probably the biggest day for my mom. She got to meet uh, Joe Montana and give uh, her salsa and, uh, yeah, and, I, and my mom goes, if you ever need it, she goes, Lou, give him my phone number. He can call me anytime. He's in San Francisco. I'll make it. You can come on over and grab it. And he goes, I will do that, Mrs. Aguiar. I'm all, you can call my mom Mary, but no, it's Mrs. Aguiar. I'm okay. So, I mean, he's just <laughs> real nice, real nice, real nice guy. That is an amazing story because in 19, you know, 74 1979 never did your mother think that she was going to be hand delivering salsa to joe montana four-time super bowl champion and went to the afc title with the chiefs after leaving bill walsh in that franchise pretty amazing story man yeah really it really is the best thing about it is my mom my mom is you know really she's uh she went grew up catholic catholic school all through kindergarten through college so we'd always watch notre dame games because they you know they were one of the few that we got on weekends out in california you know always well my mom goes notre dame's on don't even think about changing the channel don't even think about talking to me i'm watching notre dame yes mom so we watched you know i watched notre dame i watched montana when he was in college because it was just that's what we did we watched notre dame and then he got drafted to San Francisco, and then it was just like, then I got to play, you know, 
got to be on the same team as Tim. It was just like, you know, it was like, yeah, because even the first time I walked in, I'm all, you're Joe Montana. And I go, this is my fourth year in the NFL. You're Joe Montana. He's all, yes. <laughs> I'm Louis Eger. Nice to meet you. You know, and I'm all, you're <laughs> fourth year in the league. Act like, act like a pro. And I was just like, you know. But so, he, was the only one, he was the only guy I ever got starstruck over when I was playing. I was about so, to say, was that your biggest start <laughs> that you ever played with? Were you, were you with, Reggie, against, were you with Reggie White? Were you with Reggie White in Green Bay at all or no? No, I'm, Reggie was gone when I t- by the time I got there. Okay, okay. But, you know, I had, you know, in Kansas City, we had Joe Montana. We had Marcus Allen. We had uh, uh, Derek, uh, we had DT. Uh, Derek Thomas, we had um, Tony Gonzalez, little Tony. Yeah, we had Tony Gonzalez, we had uh, uh, Andre Reed, we had Derek Alexander, we had Will Shields. So all these guys. Not I mean, not yet. That was too early. We were loaded. <laughs> you know, then I got cut from there, went to Green Bay, and you know we had uh, Brett Favre up there. Bart, Brett Favre, Favre. Oh, how fun was that, Lou? Lou, how fun was Favre? that? Oh my god! Oh my gosh! He had his hurt thumb. We sat next to each other every day on uh, on uh, on our physical therapy tables. He sat on table one. I was on table two every day at seven a.m. We sat and talked every morning. And he was just—he's a character. He's funny as hell. Nobody knows how. <laughs> you know, you see all these highlight stuff. You know about him burping and hey, there's Mister Miyagi. That's yeah. He did, he pulled it. Yeah, that's the type of stuff he did. He was just like. We went out, you know, I went out and played golf with him a couple times, and it was just like, he's non, you know, you guys think I'm nonstop. He's he's more nonstop than I am. He was just like, oh, my God. You know, and I would just sit there and listen to him, listen to his stories, you know, and because we both, you know, he came, we both came out the same year. We both, you know, so we had a little bit there, too. You know, so that was, that was pretty cool. You know, he was a great, he was a great dude. Yeah, I was going to say NFL Films has done a very good job for people like us uh, who weren't able to be around that to hear that backed up. It, he does seem like a very playful, like, you know, that touchdown he threw in the Super Bowl whenever he called an audible and he's like, they're yeah. leaving him, leaving Freeman in zero and I'm going to just chuck it. And then he ran down the field with his helmet off. And yeah. I just it's an iconic video and I love Brett Favre forever because the guy's toughness. But that is so cool that you, Louis Aguiar, got to play and be in a locker room with Brett Favre and Joe Montana. It's amazing, man. Like yeah, two, a, of the best, two of the best quarterbacks ever. From a fanboy's perspective, me and look at Jimmy's look at look at behind him. I mean, we we get together and we're obsessed over football every single weekend, and we're just wishing we could hang out with these guys. And we're sitting here hanging out with one of them. It's fucking amazing. It, your journey yeah. is amazing, dude. It really is. Because yeah. you see those you see those jerseys, right? Yes, sir. Brian Jordan, two sport athlete. Not too not too many people know that. Him and Dion right. were. On- him and Dion were on the same Atlanta Falcons team, and they're both playing football and baseball. Yes, <laughs> only Dion was what? Probably still with the Cowboys then, or was he with the? No, no, he was with the Falcons. Oh, so they were both playing. They were both playing with the Falcons and both playing with the Braves. Uh, no. Oh, Dion was with the there. Yankees. 
Right, because in 1989, when they both got drafted into the into the NFL, um, Brian Jordan came from a small school called Howard, and Dion. Everybody knows where Primetime came from, and so Brian was actually I was his. We were locker mates in Buffalo with the Buffalo Bills in 1989. His locker is right next to mine. So we sat and talked every day. We're both rookies, 1989. We're rookies. We're, I'm talking to Brian Jordan every day, you know. And uh, we both get cut. He gets picked up by Atlanta. So he starts playing football for them. And he's also playing pro baseball for the St. Louis Cardinals at the same time. That's where I remember him from, Brian Jordan. That's right. my memory of him. Right. And so you had – him and Dion on the same team because they're both playing for the Lions Falcons. Well, then Brian was playing for the Cardinals. Dion was playing for the Reds before he went to Atlanta. Because he was playing for the Reds, got drafted by the Reds out of college. Sucks and, for him. Sucks for him. Truly does. Feel bad for him. Then from there he went to. Then from there he went to Atlanta. And Bo Jackson was playing football for the Raiders and playing baseball for the Royals. All at the same time. I mean that those three guys incredible. Something else. And Dion played uh, an NFL game and an NFL or an MLB postseason game in the same day, and he scored a run uh, yep. in day. that game. Same yes, night. yes. That yep. which is which is truly. And you're out there taking pictures with them, chilling on the practice squad. Uh, practice field, sorry, forgive me. Um, and then you know, I got some shots from Lou of of Prime's car. Prime's car is just custom. Literally, you could see it coming from a mile away. It, all, it says Prime all over it. It's amazing. Smart car. It is. Yes. Yes. It's that, a smart that, car. I was surprised to see how small it was. I'm like, Dion rolling around in this. This guy's environmentally conscious. Yeah, I mean, the the wheels say Prime. The back of it says Prime Twenty One. The front of it. Looks like instead of the uh, like the Mercedes album, you know, the Mercedes not album, but the Mercedes emblem, it has a prime. It says twenty one on it, so yeah, twenty one on the front. Then on the back, it says prime twenty one on it, and then all the wheels, all four wheels, say prime on it. And I was just like, That's, I didn't get pictures of that, you know. And going back to prime, I was with the. Uh, and I, I played against Dion my, my whole career. And, and every time I played against And you never him, wanted to punt to him ever in your life. Oh, you never wanted oh, to punt to him. Oh. My rookie year, I played against Prime. It was 1991, and he was – this is in Atlanta. And our special teams coach, Al Roberts, goes, I, 38 to 40 yards, hanging up as high as we can, make Dion fair catch, everything. I'm okay, coach. So I did that. You know, made him. I was thinking 38 to 40, 38 to 40. So I just kept hanging, making him fair catch. I hit one that was 42 yards, and he fair caught it. I come off the field. I'm all excited. My special teams, Al Roberts goes, That's 42 yards. I said 38 to 40. He could have returned that. Like, what's the hang time on that, coach? He goes, 5 1. I'm all, he's not going to return a 5 1. He goes, It's 42 yards. I'm all, Yes, coach. That's when I hit it 36 yards with a 4-8 hang time. And he goes, that's much better. I'm okay. He go, And then, so I did that throughout my whole career. I kept making a fair catch. Hang him up high, hit it about 40 yards. Because the rest of the time, you know, trying, I want to try and hit it 45, 50, try and get more distance. 
So I'm playing down in Dallas. It was on a Thanksgiving day, day game. It was just a normal Sunday game. I was playing with the Packers. And I, so Dion's out there for the first two. He comes up to me before the game. Comes up to me. He goes, hey, you going to punch me? I said, I punch you every week. I go, I punch you all the time. He goes, yeah, but you make me fair catch him. I said, I go, Dion, you run a 4-2. I run a 4-8. You do the math. I can't catch you. He starts laughing. <laughs> and uh, he gives me a hug. He goes, I'll see you later, Aggie. I'm okay. See you, Dion. And so the first two punts, he's out there pumping the crowd up like he does. I make him fair catch the first two punts. Third punt, they have some rookie back there. I have no idea who it is. To this day, I don't know who it is. I wish I knew. i got to go back and look at my videotapes, but I have no idea this. I hit a punt. We're on the left hash. I hit it outside the left numbers. I hit a 4.8-second hang time. That's really good in the NFL. 52 yards. The kid catches it, runs across the field. All of our guys converge. The next thing you know, we have 10 guys going this way, and this guy's going this way, and they set a wall up. So I see this. I come back. I make a tackle on their sidelines. I tackle the rookie returner. And Dion comes running over to me. He goes, hey, once you ever put one like that to me, I'm all, hey, Dion, you would have scored. This rookie just got tackled by a punter. He goes, fucking rookie, your ass is mine. Is, is your ass is grass small? And it's all mine tomorrow. <laughs> you got tackled by a fucking punter. I said, see you later, Dan. You'll see you, Aggie. I run back across the field. <laughs> I told that story when I ran when we were down there in, in Jackson. Dion goes, yeah, I still remember that. <laughs> Man, that is Lou. I, I, scored. I said, I know you would have. I, uh, I was trying to catch you. I wish you knew how lucky you were and blessed you were at that, like just having these stories because it's amazing. And to us, it's awe inspiring and we're all blown away by it. And we really are because it's, it's truly, you've lived a dream, like in my opinion, definitely. And I'm glad to know you and we're running short on time here. So I do want to end it up by just asking you this because you've been talking about prime and how dangerous he was. So I just want to ask your opinion, even though they played on opposite sides of the football, when you were around the NFL, was was Dion still more feared of a player than even Randy Moss was when he came in? Because Randy's my guy, and I loved him since I was yay high, six, seven years old, and he was my role model. And I'm like, was Randy Moss considered like that, or was were they just like, eh, he's not going to be good until he was the best? No, he was he was good. They feared him because, I mean, here's a guy who's 6'4", six, 6'5", and can just run like the wind and catch anything. And uh, he was uh, Moss was fierce. They say he was, he was faster than Dion. What do you that's think? That's what I was always about curious that. about. That's what I was trying to get, get to, Jim. That's a good point. It's like, yeah. I don't think he could have. They say Moss was faster. It's like, I, I just have never seen anybody move down the field as quick as Randy, even including Dion, even though it looked like Dion was moving way right. faster on camera. But, right. And, but you look at this. It's kind of, you know, the speed and stuff, but teams didn't throw on Dion's side. Most dominant player besides what, Ronnie Lott in your day? Or, like, what are we talking? Yeah, like, Ronnie Lott was, oh, my God. Dion, when, Dion didn't have to hit anybody because no one threw at him when they did. He would always knock the pass down or intercept it. And then you got somebody like Ronnie Lott, that played the middle of the field and he was going to drill you. 
when I was with the Jets in 1993, guys, our receivers were afraid to go across because back then we were actually have live hitting. Nowadays, they don't hit at all in practice. You know, we had eight weeks. Of, we had eight, we had like seven weeks of uh, training camp. Nowadays, they have like three weeks. You know, guys were afraid to go across the middle because they were afraid of getting hit by Ronnie Lott and getting laid out. That's how much Ronnie Lott was feared by his own players. They didn't want to go across the middle and practice. And you know what the funny thing is, Lou? We sit around, Jimmy and I have had arguments over and over because we're millennials and we're so ignorant and we always argue the best corner of all time between Darrell Revis and Champ Bailey and never do we ever say Deion Sanders, who's clearly the best cornerback who ever lived. So yeah. it's just funny how ignorant our generation can be. Revis Island, when I got to, when I got to coach in New York in 13, I was, I was hoping to, you know, be able to, to watch this guy. He was – you know, I got, I got to watch him on TV. I, could, I was so excited to get to watch him and practice every day. And I heard so many things like, this guy practices just like he plays. <clears throat> and I heard that by a, lot of, by a lot of the staff, by a lot of the staff members. And uh, I was looking forward to seeing it because I, you know, Ryan Lott was the same way. I mean, he played like he practiced. And you across the middle, he's going he's gonna to light you up. And that's what I hear. That's what I hear about the true greatness of these players. I do want to say this. I want to end this right. We are down to about a minute here. And Lou, like, I can't explain. No, I'm not Hold on. Hey, hey, you need oh, to retain God. that testicle <laughs> until we can have you back because I want this now that we've developed this comfort zone. I want to bring you back and I want to start talking to you about the current. Now that we've built you up, we've told your background. People know who you are. People know how important you are to the game of football, whether they think it or not. You, you had a great career and people don't know that, but now they do. And I hope they hear it. But I'm just saying. We want to have you back, Lou. We want to have you back. We don't have much time. We're going to get cut off here, but we need to. I will. I will. I will gladly bring you back. We're going to talk about the modern NFL. We're going to talk about college football, and you're going to be a mainstay here as long as you're willing to do it. We're going to have you as much as possible, you want, man. You want me here every day? I'll do it every day. I love this stuff. Perfect, God because we you. love it. God bless hey, football. You guys are my three. You guys are my, I, you know, they got the three amigos. I got my three slap dicks. <laughs> <laughs> Lou, God bless I'm you. I'm proud to be your slap dick. Hey, God bless you. God bless your mother and her salsa. And I'm going to end this because you're about to get cut off anyway. And you guys have a I great night. I, I love you guys. It was great. Thank you. Thanks, Amazing. Lou. Love you, Lou. Amazing. We'll be back. Amazing. Talk to you soon, Lou. All right.